welcome to the Vintage Saints and Sinners podcast. I'm Karen Wright Marsh. Do you wonder if Christian faith can be truly lived in today's complex and changing world? Well, this is the place to find broken and beautiful companions for your everyday pilgrimage. Here, you'll find embodied witnesses, Christians from different eras and different cultures. They're people we sometimes call saints, but they were also sinners, just like you and me. Today, I'm here to tell you the story of Henry Nowen with the Professor Danielle McRae. I'm so happy you're here with us. In our time and place, we really value upward mobility, ambition, achievements. And by all accounts, Henry Nouwen was a success. He was a well-loved religion professor at Harvard and at Yale. And when he gave lectures, he packed out the university halls. Not quite your typical academic. He was born in 1932, during the time of Holland's Nazi occupation. He survived the trauma of wartime privation, and he lived with chronic anxiety. He also experienced spiritual craving. Henry took his deep restiveness into a pursuit of the priesthood, into graduate studies in modern psychology. He chased an academic career. He advanced through the ranks of elite academic institutions. He wrote lectures, books, and programs about the spiritual life. But he was never content to just talk about God. He brought both soul and intellect into the classroom. He wanted to communicate the living presence of Christ. Henry was a doer, adored by readers all over the world, revered by his students. He published a book every year and was in constant demand to lecture, counsel, travel, pastor and visit friends. Everywhere he went, he received affirmation. But there was another side to him, which a friend described as his habitual, almost neurotic need to be needed. Sometimes after a cycle of long, hectic days of teaching and service, he went through periods of nervous exhaustion, depression, insomnia, You could say that the pursuit of significance almost killed him. He never stopped asking a lifelong question. Who am I? Henry writes, If the people who so admire me could know me in my innermost self, would they still love me? Then Henry changed his life. He took a radically different path. You might call it the way of downward mobility. The brilliant professor left Harvard at the peak of an academic career. He walked away from professional security, and he moved to L'Arche, a place where people living with intellectual disabilities and those who come to live with them share daily tasks and life together as equal members. For Henry, it was an entirely different world, far from the prestigious university. 
Henry was given the role of assistant to Adam Arnett, a young man who could not move, who could not speak, who had never read a word of Nowen's books. In caring for Adam, Henry came to focus on being rather than doing, on what it meant to be human, beloved of God, to find hope of God's healing and peace. The experience finally took him to a place where he could say this, I am a very weak, broken, fragile, and short-living person, but I rejoice in it. I can stand under the cross of my own suffering, of God's suffering, but I can stand. I don't have to fall apart. I stand with my head erect. I can do that. I love Henry because he understands the universal struggle for success, for love and security. He calls out many of the lies that we believe about ourselves. The voices that say, I am what I accomplish, or I am what others think of me, or I am what I have. The way that our sense of self-identity is so dependent on external things. And out of his pain, Henry discovered one central countercultural Christian declaration when he wrote, At the core of my faith belongs the conviction that we are the beloved sons and daughters of God. Henry reminds us of what God says to Jesus at his baptism. You are my beloved child and my favor rests on you. Henry teaches each of us that at the core of our existence, we are God's beloved. With Henry, I can say, I am already, even now, fully loved in Christ. My belovedness in God is the truest thing about me. God is well pleased with me, not because people say I'm great, but because God named me the Beloved, even before I was born. The Vintage Saints and Sinners podcast is the audio companion to my book, Vintage Saints and Sinners, 25 Christians Who Transformed My Faith. To learn more, come on by my website, karenwrightmarsh.com. Please rate and review this podcast on iTunes and invite your friends to join us. Now for my conversation about Henry Nowen with Danielle McRae. I am very happy to welcome Danielle McRae today. She is an assistant professor of homiletics at Yale Divinity School, where she focuses on preaching and Christian spirituality. Danielle has studied African-American women preachers, the life and witness of Reverend Polly Murray, and she has a terrific new book called The Censored Pulpit, Julian Norwich as Preacher. Thank you for joining me today, Danielle. Thrilled to be with you. Well, Danielle, I understand you've been doing some particular study of Henry Nowen. Can you tell me a little bit about what you've been learning? Well, you know, what appeals to me about Henry Nowen is that he's such a gentle person, or was such a gentle soul. And I've really been looking at his preaching and his wedding homilies, because, you know, I teach people how to do wedding homilies in our introductory homiletics course and wanted to look at some different um, approaches. But he has such a such a deep 
view of what preaching is that I've just found his voice really helpful in thinking about homiletics more broadly. So we, I think of him, you know, as a professor at Yale and at Harvard, mm-hmm. and then of course a resident at L'Arche. So he, but he was a priest. Is, was that when he did the sermons was in his function as a pastor? Right. Um, so he, well, he pre- he did a good amount of preaching here while he was at Yale, both, you know, at different divinity schools, worship services, and at university services, and then a great deal of guest preaching at churches all over the country. But the reason the um, wedding homilies strike me is because he gives a lot of wedding homilies for friends. So it's this window both into his spirituality and his preaching and into his friendships because he's a priest to his friends too and comes and just breathes beautiful messages into these very tender moments. And he also did a good amount of um, preaching at ordination services for people of you know many different denominations. So he was a regular guest preacher, and that's its own delicate art, because you don't really know the community very well, but maybe you know a few people. Um, So it's sort of navigating that dynamic, and he does that really well. I find it so interesting that you're at Yale Divinity School, which is, of course, where he (laughs) served for 10 years. Do you feel now and in the air, does he come up in conversation? Mm -hmm. What is is his legacy there at Yale Divinity Mm -hmm. School? Um, so there's a now in chapel. It's in our part of our library. And it's a beautiful chapel. And we have a number of, um, you know, we have contemplative services there. But in addition to that, in our preaching classes, often um, students preach in now in chapel. It's a small, intimate chapel. Maybe it would seat 20 people if every single chair is taken. Um, And it's a circular, beautiful space. But more than that, I think, you know, the memory of um, Henry Nouwen is still alive in people who knew him as a teacher who come and visit the school. And certainly, I think, in the emphasis on spiritual life, which is, you know, a priority here to, to nurture it. I guess in my own, my own work, I think of his message about embracing our identity as beloved people and the emphasis on moving away from trying to earn love. Mm -hmm. And there's so much emphasis on earning love and um, performing. That's a part of the culture. And I feel like he, he, he offers a path away from that to a fuller way of being. Yeah, I think about his words where he urges us to claim the truth of who we are, beloved sons and daughters of God, and that claiming the truth of who we are is so, it sounds so simple, but I think it's so hard. Right. And I wonder, like, how do we how do we begin to do that? What do you think? Mm. You know, he talks about living from the center of your being, um, mm. and I think that can be challenging in contexts where there's so much emphasis on what we know or, you know, such a culture around being in control when, of course, we aren't in control. Um, There are limits to what we control, but there is an ability to connect in a meaningful way. 
and to make to open ourselves to a deep level of connection with one another. And I feel like I feel like that's the place where his voice speaks most powerfully. I even feel like so I when I was in Toronto doing some work on Henry now and most recently, I was listening to recordings of, of pre- different presentations and I was listening to him sing. Really? And yes. And I, you know, it was really powerful to listen to him sing because he really was speaking, singing from the center of his being, you know, and he would tell other people to, to sing with him and you could hear him humming along and just, you could hear his voice getting deeper and deeper as he sang. But um, there was something very beautiful and pure about it, about the the kind of presence that he brought to those moments by singing and um, inviting people to move to move from the center of their being. Mm. I'd love to hear those recordings. I'm thinking about, you know, his decision to leave academia, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm married to a professor. You, you live your life in this world of, of the intellect of the mind of the university and his path of downward mobility, if you want to call it that, Mm -hmm. um, seems like such a radical choice for a, a person at that stage of his career. What do you make of that? Or what do you think was at play in his decision to do that? Or what would you imagine? So I have a friend, um, Denise Thorpe, we had a rich conversation not long ago about spiritual leadings. And she was saying that it's important to go to the place where you have the most freedom to do the work that you're called to do. And Mm -hmm. academic spaces provide a certain kind of freedom, you know, intellectual freedom, the freedom to write and to study and to connect with students. But sometimes academic spaces aren't the best for for pastoral care, you know, um, because they're these external dynamics that require, you know, the academic. I guess what I'm trying to say is the academic world wants to measure right? Wants to chart progress, wants to produce. And he was not really focused on measuring and certainly wasn't um, focused on production, was even at times found the language of production problematic and was emphasizing fruitfulness, which is, I I think, different from production, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I... I guess my short answer is that my sense is that he wanted a richer, more organic expression of his faith life. And the academy at that time was just too confining for him. But, you know, he was very much on on a journey. I think there was something beautiful about him saying, okay, I give this up. I'm going to let vocation unfold in a different way for me. And then he ended up at Harvard later on. So he was able to move in and out of academic spaces while he found the space that gave him the freedom to do the best work that he could do. When you read his writings, his books, tell me what speaks to you or how you feel. I know when I read his books, I feel like it feels so true and so vulnerable and it always touches me. And I'm wondering what draws you to Henry Nowen's work and his words. 
So, you know, I'm just, I'm drawn to his gentleness. I think that it's such a rare trait in our, our culture. (laughs) And, and his transparency is just very open about his struggles and his longings. I find his teachings on joy speak to me most nowadays. Um, He talks about joy being a very deep-seated gift and Hmm. that, that joy comes out of an experience of night you know, it's born like the, the day is born in the night. Joy comes out of this deep experience of night. And it's not a it's not a shallow thing. And to think of uh, joy in these kind of fleshy terms is really life giving to me right now. There's so much angst in the world. You know, I think we're all seeing the deep wounds in the world right now and his ability to look deeply into them without flinching, right? And still Mm -hmm. be able to hold on to something that can be called joy is really powerful. And we know that he suffered himself from anxiety, you know, anxiety and depression and exhaustion. And this, you know, the friend who said he had this neurotic need to be needed. And so for me, when I share Henry Nouwen's books with undergraduates, with young adults, I think they're just blown away by this great spiritual writer who is so open about his own depression and anxiety. And I, and so for me, his witness is very powerful because so many of us ourselves suffer with these afflictions. Yeah. So it seems all the, his talk of joy is all the more authentic because we know right. that it's, yeah, it's coming from this place. Mm-hmm. Now I'm struck too with his uh, vulnerability. You mentioned his gentleness, and and I I think that's really a beautiful thing. And I wonder what Henry Nowen what he might add to the current conversation about vulnerability. So he he knows himself to be finite. He knows that he has limits, and that these limits are divinely given. Right, that that just come with being human. And he doesn't mask them. I think there's such a temptation to mask certain limits in contemporary North American culture, to pretend that one is in control, to pretend that one has the answers. And there's a fiction in that 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 I think does violence to the soul. And he is not masking the fact that he has limitations. And he's able, I think, to be present in a very powerful way with a gentleness because he's unmasked. So that, that I think, is a little different than just vulnerability. It's this presence and warmth and openness to other people. So I think of, I guess what I'm saying is I think of gentleness as kind of vulnerability plus. Right. It's more than yeah. just not being guarded, but it's being cognizant of one's own limitations. And yet, I think also aware of the warmth and compassion that one brings at the same time. Like he's able to really radiate warmth and kindness to other people. And I think that's part of his reception. You know, people feel 
like they can show up as their true selves <laughs> before yeah. Henry now, and they don't have to pretend to have everything together. Yeah. And the fact that he did have so many friends, you know, he married all these people and he right. ordained people. And like, that is the fruit of a gentle life and an outward focused person. Well, it is such a delight to speak with you, Danielle, and to talk about Henry Nowen and, and get to know you better. Thank you for joining me today. Of course. is one of those saints who wears his humanity on his sleeve, and I love him for it. I get the feeling that Henry understands my inner struggles when he asks, if people who admire me really knew me as I am, would they still love me? Henry says over and over that the very truest thing about me is this, I am completely loved and accepted by God. I am the beloved, and so are you. Claiming this truth is the work of a lifetime, isn't it? May you and I lean more and more into our belovedness. Thank you for joining me today. I'm Karen Wright Marsh, and I'm the Executive Director of Theological Horizons, a ministry based in Charlottesville at the University of Virginia. I'd love to hear from you. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Theological Horizons. Come by my website, KarenWrightMarsh.com. You'll find out more about the Vintage Saints and Sinners podcast, get show notes, and learn about my book, Vintage Saints and Sinners. You can download free printable study guides for your small group or just for yourself and keep the conversation going. Thanks to the generosity of the Lloyd and Vivian Noble Foundation and to the Friends of Theological Horizons. I hope you'll support the Vintage Saints and Sinners podcast with a tax-deductible gift to Theological Horizons. Go to theologicalhorizons.org slash giving or donate on Venmo at theological-horizons. The Vintage Saints and Sinners podcast is produced by Gabriel Hunter Chang, our music is by Will Marsh of Gold Connections.